Welcome to our first and inaugural episode of NTM Talk. I'm Dr. Colin Swenson. And I'm Dr. Wendy Drummond. And we're here to talk about everything NTM and bronchiectasis. Now, to start off this inaugural episode talking about this very important topic, I wanted to first uh, ask you, Wendy, a couple of questions about about your background and what would bring an infectious disease-trained expert to the world of pulmonary medicine? Thanks, Colin. Um, first of all, I just want to say how excited I am to be here. Uh, we've been talking about doing this for quite some time, so it's really exciting to get started. Um, first of all, I, th- I think it's really important to let our listeners know a little bit about our backgrounds because Colin and I do uh, bring some differing perspectives to this podcast. My background and training is actually an in infectious disease. I did my residency in both internal medicine and pediatrics and then went on to do an ID fellowship. Now, I'm currently living up in Portland, and I'm at Providence Portland Medical Center, but prior to uh, relocating up to this area of the country, I was at National Jewish for almost five years, and so that really is where I was able to develop my expertise in the area of uh, non-tuberculous mycobacterial infections, but also in bronchiectasis. Um, National Jewish is a well-known institution where we care for patients with pulmonary diseases, so I'm a little bit of a hybrid now where uh, with my training in infectious disease, I'm able to specialize in the treatment of pulmonary infections, but I was also able to carve out a little niche and better understanding underlying pulmonary diseases as well. I think that's so important. And I I know that you definitely underplayed the National Jewish uh, heritage. It's actually the number one respiratory hospital in the nation. And certainly um, uh, sort of the mothership when it comes to the treatment of non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease. And so your background there is uh, is incredibly important in in conveying your perspectives and and recommendations in terms of NTM treatment. Um, Like you, I uh, did a residency in internal medicine, though I did not uh, uh, study pediatrics. Um, I then went on and did a pulmonary critical care fellowship uh, where I became very interested in infectious diseases of the lung. Um, I was at the University of Florida, and as some of our listeners may know, Florida is sort of uh, ground zero for NTM pulmonary disease. And so I was very fortunate to be able to do some initial work with uh, Dr. Kevin Fennelly, uh, now of the NIH, and uh, became hooked on the topic of, of non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease. So I, I have an interest in, in infectious disease similar to you, Wendy, but I just came at it from, uh, from the pulmonary perspective. It sounds as though you came from the opposite perspective with a background in ID and uh, developed an interest in pulmonary medicine. Well, I think that's true. And we used to joke a little bit about it at uh, National Jewish, where in my MedPeds training, um, we actually didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of electives. So I never actually was able to do a pulmonary elective. But it's very possible that had I done so, I might have chosen a different path. But um, I think for our listeners, looking at, you know, common well, not common, but looking at the same problems, but bringing, you know, you're going to bring that that ex- amazing knowledge that you have in the field of, of pulmonary medicine. And I can lend, you know, a perspective of an infectious disease specialist and really approaching the same issue. 
Absolutely. And as a lot of our listeners will also know, it takes a village to treat it. Um, and the, there will be uh, specialists in both pulmonary and infectious disease uh, who take care of any given patient. The question is, who owns this uh, this disease, as it were, in terms of treatment? Is it infectious disease? Is it pulmonary? I think that uh, what we're both saying is that it's both. Well, that's, that's correct. And I think it, it's interesting because if a patient is diagnosed, for example, by their internal medicine doctor or their family medicine doctor. It's it's almost a 50-50 split, which office they'll end up in first, meaning they, they may get referred to pulmonology first um, or they may get in, referred to infectious disease. But at the end of the day, um, you know, patients with these underlying problems really benefit from co-management from both specialty areas. And as Colin referred to, it, it, it does take a village. So oftentimes, you know, we're, and, and actually I wouldn't say oftentimes, almost all of the time, we're going to be involving respiratory therapists, nutritionists, um, pharmacists, and occasionally even surgeons in the, to try to provide that comprehensive approach to the treatment of our patients. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you gave a nod to respiratory therapy. They um, have a, a very integral role, particularly when it comes to airway clearance. So many patients with non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease have underlying bronchiectasis. And so I can tell you that from a pulmonary standpoint, uh, one of the things that I notice is that when I receive a referral from infectious disease, oftentimes patients are not on um, any sort of regimen for airway clearance. Now, obviously, you, you you know, have a different uh, background at National Jewish. And so I'm sure that you uh, would equally preach the gospel of airway clearance and the management of this disease. Well, I absolutely would. And, and respiratory therapists are integral to the management of our patients. And it is something that I really, when, when I do grand rounds or other talks in this area, and especially if I have an infectious disease audience, um, I really take the time to introduce them to the concepts of airway clearance, the importance of airway clearance. And certainly, um, if they don't feel comfortable in that area, which it may take some time for them to develop that level of comfort, to really engage with their pulmonologists or respiratory therapists in their area to try to really round out the therapy of their patients. Because as you know, and as, as we like our patients to understand, effective treatment of the bronchiectasis is paramount. And oftentimes that's, that's really the treatment that patients need right out of the gates before we even talk about potential treatment of infection. Because in many, many patients, um, their symptoms really are more attributable to their underlying structural airway disease, i.e. bronchiectasis, and then trying to determine along the way whether or not they really do need to be treated for their infection. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we both agree that airway clearance and optimization of treatment of bronchiectasis is so important uh, that we're dedicating an entire episode to talking about just that. Absolutely. And um, I think something that's going to be really exciting about this podcast is that between Dr. Swenson and I and being at different institutions across this country, um, you know, we've developed relationships along the way with experts in this field. 
Um, and so we will be able to bring uh, guest speakers in and specialists in uh, with expertise in airway clearance, respiratory therapists, nutritionists, to really provide dedicated episodes and provide additional education in these areas. That's an area of collaboration that I think has so much potential. This disease causes, uh, it affects so many different systems that it touches on, you know, certainly airway clearance, respiratory therapy, as we discussed, you know, plus certainly medication management and dealing with side effects of any of the potential antibiotics. And then, of course, you know, you have the nutrition component um, and uh, sort of physical stamina and mobility status component that are also so important in the treatment of this disease. Well, that's true. And, and I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because, and I'm sure you do this at, at, at Emory, but it's, it's really important to think about physical therapy, occupational therapy in this patient population. And one thing um, that I neglected to mention a few minutes ago is really just this um, behavioral health aspect and psychosocial aspect in the management of Mm -hmm. our patients, as you know. and, and to our patients out there who are listening, you know, we're preaching to the choir. We truly understand that this disease has an impact in just long-term mental health. A lot of our patients experience anxiety, oftentimes uh, depression, just, just as a consequence of having an underlying chronic illness and just not feeling well for years at a time. And as you know, Colin, the frustration and the frustration and the frustration of the fits and starts, you know, so, you know, so much of this treatment can be, fr- or, or the, the disease can be frustrating because after the diagnosis, you know, it's not like it's a four week course of antibiotics. We're talking about a prolonged course of antibiotics. You can still have positivity of the sputum, which can just be absolutely crushing to these people really are just trying to, uh, to, to eradicate the infection. Well, absolutely. And so that's why it's so important to have this multidisciplinary approach. And I think one thing that uh, Dr. Swenson and I want to get across to everyone is that how much we care about this population and we want, we want to educate, we want to help our patients be able to advocate for themselves, also educate other people that they may meet with these same underlying disease processes and to let them know that there, there is hope, there is support out there for you. And as part of this podcast journey, we, we want to help in, engage you in that process and provide that education and resources and, and help with that advocacy. And we're going to talk to so many great and really cool people, too, about different aspects of treating this disease. Um, as Wendy mentioned, everybody from uh, nutritionists to, uh, to respiratory therapists, to other physicians and specialists uh, treating this disease in the field, to uh, representatives of uh, biopharmaceutical companies who are actually working on emerging treatments. Um, I think the, the list of possibilities is, is endless when it comes to discussing non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease. I agree. And I I think, you know, we'll be talking about um, research that's going on in this area and and just knowing that you know, there are groups out there, companies out there who are researching more effective therapies. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that they actually did release um, some new guidelines in July of 2020. They sure so, did. They sure um, did. In the, so, midst of the, in the midst of the pandemic, we got brand new guidelines. That's right. Yes. And so actually, we're, we're probably going to, you know, have a guideline dedicated 
cast. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that 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 will be important um, both for our patients who are listening, but also for clinicians who are who are treating this infection, uh, both in the community and the academic setting. Absolutely. And I know along the way, we will have um, some actual patients who will be involved with some of the episodes to really give you um, their personal perspective on their underlying disease processes, um, some of the pitfalls and successes that they've had in, in their NTM journey. So I think a lot of different things to look forward to. Yep, I agree. And I am definitely looking forward to talking more about that. I did want to ask you a couple of uh, questions, Wendy, if you don't mind. Uh, what brought you to, uh, to NTM? Well, my, my journey was interesting because um, back in the 1990s, I was actually working as an epidemiologist and I was working for uh, the Los Angeles County Health Department of all places. And um, hmm. I was working... My hometown. <laughs> yeah, and I was working in tuberculosis control at that time as as an epidemiology analyst. And so just innately, if you're working in the area of mycobacterial diseases, you're 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 going to um, encounter non-tuberculous mycobacterial diseases. Um, for those of you, for those of our audience who don't know, uh, tuberculosis uh, is a cousin of uh, of, of non tuberculous mycobacterial disease. They're both in uh, the uh, the the same family. Exactly, and so so that was one of my early introductions into into this sort of clinical realm. Um, I had actually heard Dr. Chuck Daly speak at a conference, a, a TB controllers conference. I think it was up in San Francisco. He was still in San Francisco at that time. And um, and then when I was in my fellowship training at uh, OHSU in Portland, Oregon, uh, Dr. Kevin Winthrop, who is, is also a leader in this area, uh, was one of my mentors. And it was interesting because one thing that I realized during my infectious disease training is that, you know, you really don't encounter a lot of patients with underlying NTM disease, certainly not in the hospital setting. And mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. our training is very much geared to the inpatient setting, although we do, you know, clinic. So unless you have an HIV patient who maybe has disseminated mycobacterial disease, disseminated MAC, for example, as an infectious disease specialist, I really was not gaining a good acumen in that area. So I sought out Dr. Winthrop and asked him if I could start doing a clinic with him, you know, even if it was one clinic a month. And so that really was an early introduction to me as an infectious disease fellow in into this this realm. And and then several years later, um, when I was living in Denver, uh, that's where National Jewish is. And so I I kept emailing Dr. Daly, waiting for them to have mm -hmm. an opening. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it came to pass that it opened. It, it did. I, I felt extraordinary, extraordinarily lucky to be able to work with uh, who I consider some of the the giants in this area: uh, Dr. Shannon Casperbauer, Dr. Chuck Daly, Dr. Gwen Hewitt. These were all my mentors. Um, as well as all amazing pulmonary specialists, obviously respiratory care. Um, so I feel like I did really learn from some of the best. 
Well, your mentors, Wendy, were indeed giants in the field of NTM lung disease, and it sounds like it was really an exciting time. I had my own baptism by fire, if you will, in the NTM clinic at University of Florida, which was at that point directed by Dr. Kevin Fennelly, who's now uh, over at the NIH, as I mentioned. I had uh, been pulled into non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease after a close family friend had been diagnosed with what they called at that point, uh, quote, atypical TB, end quote. Yes. Um, we obviously don't like that term now, but it illustrates how little was known about the disease at that point. What piqued my own curiosity in the NTM clinic were the stories I heard there. Um, these were people who were really struggling for years in some cases with right. these debilitating sort of nonspecific symptoms. And many had been told either that there there was nothing wrong and that, you know, the problem was all in their their uh, their mind, um, or then others had been misdiagnosed with COPD or asthma. And I thought to myself then that this disease would have to be my professional calling to help create a dedicated clinic uh, to NTM and bronchiectasis and to help uh, with disseminating reliable information, but also doing research with a practical focus to improve NTM education and outcomes. Uh, so when I left University of Florida and joined Emory, that was one of the factors that attracted me, that there was this commitment to building and creating a clinic dedicated uh, to these neglected diseases. Well, and uh, it's interesting because, as you referenced, Dr. Kevin Fennelly, he is also, I think, one of the the leaders in this field. He actually was at National Jewish for a while before he made he his was. way uh, over to NIH, and he's working with Dr. Uh, Ken Olivier there. So um, it's 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 a small world ultimately. I, I it is a small it's a small NTM. World. It is. Yes, it is one thing that I I did want to point out because and I think this is part of how you and I became such good friends is that and and maybe or maybe not our our audience and our uh, patients who are listening out there understand this, but for those of us working in this area, it's really a niche field, and I think we are drawn to this because of this connection that we end up developing with this patient population, understanding that there is such a chronicity to the, to this disease, it, these diseases, you know, speaking about MAC mm -hmm, lung disease mm -hmm. and bronchiectasis, there can be a, a long delay in diagnosis. Um, and it is so impactful on their lives. And I think that once you enter this space and realize the impact that you can make as a physician on these patients and, and the relationships, the long-term relationships that you develop with these patients because of the inherent chronicity of it, I, I think we both just truly love taking care of this patient population. And the unmet need. I mean, the fact yes. that this is a this is a disease that affects so many people. Now, historically and technically, it is still considered a rare disease. But I think because the incidence is increasing year after year in this country, and there's so much more awareness about it uh, in in uh, in both the media as well as now finally uh, the research community, uh, that I, I think that what attracts us to it as well is the fact that there is that unmet need that these patients have um, sort of have been without a home, if you will. It's it's really gratifying to see uh, more attention being paid to uh, to this disease and 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 uh, as you say, these diseases and their treatments. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that we can offer to these patients. And when Colin and I talked about developing this podcast, it really was trying to help fill a gap or fill this niche and, and try to provide more education. And as we go along, you know, I, the way we've developed the the structure and the pathway of, of our episodes is really to try and build. So, um, you know, we'll talk about the epidemiology and, you know, the distribution of this disease in human populations and how that relates to disease acquisition and, you know, we'll we'll talk about basic symptoms and but and, and also know that we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about diagnosis and different treatment approaches. Mm-hmm. And knowing that um, you know, the, the management of this disease is not just giving antibiotics if if someone has a bacteria isolated from their airways, you know, you may or may not need to be treated, but but knowing that we're we're thinking critically about this and about all the different aspects that go into the management of our our patients. And I think that's so important that you mentioned that, Wendy. So so many patients that are referred to my referral clinic at Emory um, are started on treatment when they really have not had their bronchiectasis, uh, their underlying bronchiectasis managed well, and who once, you know, they do get the, the bronchiectasis managed pretty well, they actually have a relative lack of symptoms. And so the question is always, do you do you treat with antibiotics or do you just optimize the underlying disease uh, and sort of monitor closely? And that's something that uh, we're going to be talking about about in some detail in uh, in future episodes. Well, absolutely, and and I think just knowing that even with pulmonologists and infectious disease specialists out there, there's varying degrees of experience in the management of either one of these diseases. I and I can't mm-hmm. speak as directly to pulmonology, but you know, certainly as I already referenced in the area of infectious disease, as you go through fellowship training, you may or may not learn to manage these patients. And like anything else that we learn in medicine, it's really through seeing lots of patients with a particular problem that you gain experience and really learn those nuances in management and, 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 and the disease patterns and the symptoms and, and also, you know, the, the phenotypes of the patients. Well, absolutely. Phenotype meaning, you know, how, how is any disease going to manifest in a particular patient? Because everyone is individual. Everyone is special. And so, you know, the way antibiotics are metabolized in one patient may, or one person may be very different in someone else or the potential side effects. And so there, oh, there yeah, are a lot that, of nuances to this. And, oh gosh. And the side effects, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, oftentimes when patients are referred, they've been told that, uh, that, that treatment is worse than the disease that the, I'm sure you've heard this a lot as well. So many times. Yeah. Don't start treatment because it's actually the symptoms, the, the adverse effects are worse than the, than the disease. 
studies. The truth of the matter is we don't really have a good way of predicting which patients will have side effects and which patients will not develop side effects. Furthermore, um, a lot of the side effects are rather short-lived and can be managed uh, through through other measures, uh, whether it be medication or whether it uh, just be a focus on nutrition and exercise. So um, all of those those uh, those topics uh, are important when uh, considering whether or not to embark on antibiotic treatment. Well, absolutely. And I think it's it's one of the things that I will tell my patients in the very first visit. I'll say, you know, you know, we're on this journey together. And generally speaking, in the, the first visit, I tell them, I, I most of the time, I'm not going to start therapy in that initial visit because I may not have enough information. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, you, you still have to obtain more information. And if there's a patient whose bronchiectasis is not being managed effectively, we're going to start there. So just knowing that it's a partnership, and letting them know that even if they do need to be treated along the way, we're going to be able to effectively treat this because we do have strategies to mitigate potential side effects. And so much of that is providing that education up front, letting them know that it's a partnership together, that if there are side effects, we'll work through them, but that, you know, the vast majority of patients can do very well on these therapies if needed. Absolutely, they can do well on these therapies. And a lot of the side effects, you know, as I mentioned, are are short-lived if you can just sort of get through the first couple of months of treatments. And then again, some other patients never develop the side effects. You'd never they they would they are shocked to tell me that uh that, you know they're not even they wouldn't even be aware that they were on the medication because of the the lack of side effects. So um every patient is different, as you alerted uh, as you uh, alluded to. Every patient is unique, and I think uh, uh, treatment effect is uh, is no different. Absolutely. Well, I think that uh, that that wraps it up for this first episode, our inaugural episode, and I'm looking so forward to talking about some of these topics in more detail um, at our future episodes. Um, for more information about those episodes, please visit our website, ntmtalk.org. I'm really looking forward to it, and. Uh... You know, as we go along in our episodes, we'll have uh, ways for our listeners to reach out and ask questions. So please stay tuned for more information. Absolutely. And hopefully in some of our later episodes, we'll actually be inviting questions and uh, reading those questions on air from our listeners and using that really as a uh, as uh, an exploratory tool to talk about some of these really important topics. All right. Well, we look forward to the next episode. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Wendy, and also to our listeners who have urged us to create this podcast. Again, if you'd like more information about us or this podcast or about NTM lung disease or bronchiectasis in general, please visit our website at ntmtalk.com. Again, that's N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, M is in Mary, talk.com. Until next time, stay well, everybody.